Hello, and welcome again to another episode of Five Plain Questions, a podcast that proposes five questions to Native American artists, creators, musicians, writers, movers and shakers, and culture bearers, people in the community that are doing great things for their communities. I'm Joe Williams, your host for this conversation. I'm director of CANA, the Native American programs at the Plains Art Museum. My goal is to showcase these amazing people in our Native American communities from around the region and country. I want to introduce you to Ashley Puyer. Ashley is a curator at the Heritage Center at the Red Cloud Indian School on the Pine Ridge Reservation. Ashley is Oglala Lakota, graduating from Carthage College in Kenesha, Wisconsin in 2012. What makes Ashley so interesting is that she did in fact what many of us say we would all do when we leave the reservation and go to college, which is to return home and help those whom we left. She also has a love for something that many of us in the native art world quietly love as well. So let's find out what that is and we'll jump into this interview with Ms. Puyer. Ashley, thank you for joining us uh, on Five Plain Questions. Um, so let's uh, just jump into it. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your background, and where you're from? Uh, yeah, I am Ashley Puyer. I'm my career right now is the Herod, is the curator at the Heritage Center at Red Cloud Indian School um, on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation. Um, I'm originally from uh, the Pine Ridge Reservation. I grew up in Porcupine, South Dakota. That's about 30 minutes away from Red Cloud. Um, and I grew up in with in a three-generation household with my grandparents and my 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 mother and siblings and the hordes the hordes of cousins that are just in and out of the house <laughs> growing up all the time. Um, yeah, I like that. A little bit about me. Yeah, so um, I understand you you went to Red Cloud School as a student. Yeah, yeah. I'm also I I kind of forget that there's a good chunk of alumni that actually work at Red Cloud that it's like not on my brain half the time. Um, mm -hmm. Yes, I'm a, a graduate of Red Cloud uh, Indian High School um, class of 2008. Um, from Red Cloud, I received a fluoride scholarship to go to college and I went to an out-of-state school in Wisconsin, um, which was honestly a very great experience of just the outside world, the outside the reservation um, perspective. And I finished my my degree over um, in, at Carthage College in Kenosha, Wisconsin. I got a bachelor's of fine arts. Um, I focused on studio art, uh, sculpture, and oddly enough, Japanese language and Asian studies. Hmm. <laughs> it's just a smorgasbord of an education that stuff I wanted to study, apparently. <laughs> what was the, the draw to uh, the, the Japanese language? Um, I'm, I kind of finally in my adulthood owned up to like, I was just an angsty that loved watching Dragon Ball Z's after school, after you get off the school bus, you go turn on the TV and there's my cartoons and I'll just be watching all my anime cartoons and I have learned to, to say it with pride now and not be ashamed. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny. Um, there is a connecting theme to a number of artists that I've talked to over the course of this podcast uh, that's manga and anime are a big influence on a lot of the artists. So 
yeah, you are not alone. Uh, you're with <laughs> a real good group of folks here uh, that represents this. So, no, that's cool. When you first went to school, uh, what, as someone who grew up in the reservation, uh, and I experienced this myself coming from Sisseton, uh, what was it like for you uh, being off reservation uh, in a different place? I thrived. <laughs> I want to. I want to. I thrived um, because, like, I, I was just. I'm. I feel like I've always been on the outside of Native culture, Lakota culture. Um, even though I'm an enrolled member and I, I grew up around it, but it's also like um, my family was Catholic, more Catholic faith based rather than um, Lakota spirituality and. Um, luckily I got to grow up and, uh, I have some godparents parents who have taught me, um, Lakota, uh, other forms of Lakota spirituality. I know done that. And I've like, I got the best of both worlds, like to just that here on the reservation. But I, I, like I said, I was that angsty teen who just like, I don't, I don't look native. I'm, I'm a very light skin tone person with lighter hair. They don't have those typical native features um, that would stereotype me to be a, a native. Like I don't do powwows, I don't dance. Um, it was just something that I never grew up doing. Um, so I really never felt like I belonged on the res as a as a teenager. Um, so once high school was done, I was like happy. I was ready to like hop in my car and leave. And I went to, um, I actually ended up driving myself to college. Um, so it was, um, so it was like a, gosh, I think it's like a 15 hour straight drive that I paced myself over. And I was just happy to get out and experience something new and kind of start my own story of who is future Ashley going to be someday. And I got to, hit it and run with it and I, I liked it um it was also a very eye-opening experience because it's like oh you're from South Dakota why did you come all the way to Wisconsin to go to school and it's like, well I'm from a reservation I'm Native American so it's like you have that programmed rhetoric of your introduction and it's always gonna like bring bring and pull you back to where you're you're from and where you're where you identify your home at. Um, so there was just this constant rhetoric of um, I'm native and from the res, this is kind of how we do it. Oh, we don't, even the little superstitious things like, oh, don't whistle at night, that's so, oh, that brings the GGs, don't whistle at night. <laughs> <laughs> like these little um, texts that I would like unconsciously say to like my, uh, my friends, Major majority of them are all uh, white. <laughs> So um, for them, it was just also interesting to be like, oh, this is a like, oh, you're a native. What is that? What is that like? <laughs> and it's mm -hmm. just this, this discovery period of this exchange of discovery um, that I got to have with a lot of my friends during college. Hmm. So with with you leaving home uh, and, of course, where you're at now, uh, can you talk a little bit about who your biggest influences were? This was one of the questions where I was like, dang, dang, I got to think on this one. <laughs> 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 um, 
Um, and I, after reflecting on that so much, I was like, it's the haters. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. The haters, all the haters for my, my fuel, for my fire. Um, mm-hmm. And I was trying to reflect and think back on like who kind of started that. And I, I feel so terrible that I don't remember his name, but he was a teacher of ours in high school. And um, I think I was graduate graduation day and we we're in the, the long line um, and you shake hands with everyone at the end of your graduation ceremony. And I think he came up in the line and he, he said that kind of classical line um, because I already declared that I was going to go into to the art, to studio art as a declared major in high school. Um, so he kind of was like, arts are going to be a struggle and it's not going to make you rich and it's going to be a really, really difficult time for you. Something along those lines. And I don't know in that moment, I was like, is he just trying to kind of scare tactic me into like straightening up (laughs) and like going to like a real career, a real major? Um, Or is he just preparing me for that next step in life? Um, so I kind of just took that phrase as, um, a challenge and I was like, no, I'm going to do something. It's going to be something in the arts. I don't know what that, that looks like now, but I know this is what makes me happy. And this is what I want to do on some some capacity for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was just this like constant, like, I can do this. I don't know what, I mean, I don't know if I'm going to be a famous sculptor or um, I think one, another thing I was thinking about doing was like going to, going into like a special effects makeup design, which clearly never happened. It might still, who knows? <laughs> but, um, I, and I feel like I get that, this um, challenging, uh, this challenge about it at me most of the times and it's like no I can do this I'm going to prove you wrong I'm going to show you how wrong you are <laughs> and do it which has uh definitely pushed and propelled me um throughout my career of just being challenged all the time by people who think that no that's, that's not possible and I was like no it is I'm going to show you I'm going to get through this and I'm going to prove you wrong <laughs> when yeah that resonates um, when I was in high school, uh, my high school counselor, she pulled me out of class, uh, the last couple of weeks of school and she did the same thing. Uh, she questioned why I was going into fine arts because I, I went to the university of South Dakota or that was my, uh, that's what I was declaring. And the same thing she said, there, there's not much of a career there unless you're something special. Um, she then encouraged me to uh, get a job application up in Wapiton, North Dakota, at one of the the cabinet factories up there, and um, or one of the woodworking shops <clears throat> or the manufacturing. And there's there's nothing wrong with that kind of work, but that is so far away from what I wanted to do. And um, it's funny that that didn't come into play until I went to grad school. And I had been reminded of that conversation I had with her. And so that, for my grad school experience, that was the fuel that I used uh, to get through to kind of show, you know, that um, 
that I was capable of something more than the expectations of a, a former uh, school teacher. So I think that happens more often, I think, than, than we want. But no, I, I appreciate the fact that you use that as your fuel uh, to, to get, uh, to get which, where you needed to be. So when you came back, because um, you, when you finished school, uh, did the Heritage Center, did they reach out to you or how, how did that come about? So after you graduate high school, like that's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, they don't, like nobody is there to tell you what to do afterwards. Um, and it, I think those um, last, that last month of, of college, we always kind of, those kind of thinking and because I went to school so far away um, and I had uh, like friends who were living in the college town in their own house. And I think it was just this expectation that it was just like, Oh, you're just going to do what you do every end of May and pack up and go home. Um, and that's basically what I, what I ended up doing. I was like, I don't like, um, the, so I actually, I had to do a undergrad thesis from my declared majors. So I had like my solo show that I had to focus on um, as well as my uh, Asian studies and Japanese language thesis to decide um, to focus on too. So I was just so bogged down with that workload enough that the, like just reaching that finish line of college was all I could see. That's as far as I could go. Um, and then once it was finally there after the college ceremonies and you're all checked out of your dorms and you walk down and sit in a hot gym for hours on end. Um, and then you just pack up and you go home. And that was my, my life for like that entire rest of the summer. I went home. Um, my family, uh, we proudly live in a trailer. <laughs> Um, with three bedrooms and I'm the oldest of four Um, so when I was back and forth between college and home all those four years um, I was actually sharing a room with my little sister and she completely just took over I was going to say you probably got squeezed out (laughs) I did and I was like fine yeah take it then I'm not here I can live in a suitcase I can do that (laughs) (laughs) So I was living out of a suitcase under the bed for my, my clothes storage. Um, and pretty soon the I was like, well, I need to look for a job for the first time in my life um, on the reservation, which is an impossible job market um, in, in general. Like the fact that I even was able to find something in the fine art realm of employment was insane um and I ended up doing my google search and just looking for like art jobs in the area even in Rapid City that's about an hour and a half drive away um and I ended up stumbling upon a job that the Heritage Center was offering that was way above my my knowledge (laughs) It was a collections manager job that I had absolutely no understanding of what that even entailed. But I still was like, you know what? Maybe it'll be that that dream shot where it's just like, I don't know what this is, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to apply for it. And it was. 
Um, I didn't get that job, thankfully. I'm doing that job now. <laughs> but, <laughs> but at the time, I had no understanding of it. Um, but I was offered a paid internship, which um, we actually still have funding to do. We're just not very active in it. But um, Mary Bordeaux and Peter Strong were actually working here. And they offered, they, well, they turned me down on the job. <laughs> but they offered me the paid <laughs> internship. I was like, that's great. That's something. Thank you. So I interned for um, two years, uh, for two semesters. And I transitioned into the summer gift shop staff help. And then worked in the gift shop for a year. And then around that time period is when there was a lot of uh, staff changes. And my now current boss um, was the curator at the time and she ended up asking if I wanted to be the assistant curator and she would mentor me throughout um, the, the transition process of what this is what curation looks like and this is what the job duties entail and stuff um, and then I finally got to level four here and now I'm the curator <laughs> no that's great uh, that relationship um that grew there uh so the, we're sort of in that question of how have you developed your career over the time and, and you've touched on some of these things um when you were going to school out there um how integral was the heritage center to where you were going to school at was there a lot of interaction between the students and the center or was that something that was sort of like the grown-ups had on the side So now that I work here, I think about this all the time. <laughs> I'm sorry, um, say again? I was like, now that I work here, I think about that all the time. Mm -hmm. um, we came over as, as a class. Oddly enough, it was like the computer, one, a computer class. We came over here and there, we went look through the gallery. And it was like, pick an artist on the walls and then do a little PowerPoint presentation about that artist. And I was like, oh, okay. All right. And that was the only interaction with the Heritage Center in my four years of attending high school here mm. uh, was that one time in a computer class of all things. <laughs> um, that I had, I, I actually, until I did the job search, I, I never, I was like, oh yeah, that's there. Like it was always off to the side. Um, and now working in that position, like I see why it was so so separated from uh, the the school and and how we're now working we've been working for these past years on like building that relationship of like this is an amazing collection there's um a whole job position with our educator who is doing an amazing job of like her yearly goal is to bring out all all of the Red Cloud students into this gallery at least one point throughout the year. Mm -hmm. um, so just little achievements like that is something great. How, how do you seek opportunities? Both I think personally, but also through the Heritage Center. Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I would say it kind of goes back to that challenging aspect, um, especially here, because we're such a limit. Um, yes, we have a 10,000 item piece collection, a pretty nice gallery space, but there's four of us that is, that is juggling everything and making this all, all work and happen somehow. Um, and now we're kind of being recognized for all of our hard work and um, we're actually being pushed to like do the reporting and evaluation end of things. And it's just like, whoa, nobody cared what we did half the time. <laughs> <laughs> we were just like our little own show in the background area and now we're being pushed out to the front. And that is, it's just in incredibly intimidating, but it's still amazing to know that it's just like, oh, this hard work is finally paying off. And I love it. Um, but yeah. So one of the, the annual events with, uh, with the heritage center, <clears throat> excuse me, um, is the, the red cloud Indian art show. Um, this year with COVID-19, I believe you had, you had gone digital with this art show. Is that correct? Oh my gosh. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that, a lot of that, the work end was on my shoulders. Okay. Um, so I, I am in, incredibly proud of how amazing, um, well, in the beginning, it was just like every, everything was canceling. Everything was shutting down. Everything was being postponed for a year. And it would have been insanely easy to just say, no, no, we're not doing this. It's unsafe. And it's just like, no, that is another challenge. Um, but I also don't want to seem like the crazy, this is happening and like ig completely ignorant person. I was like, no, this is, I mean, it is a serious health pandemic for sure. And I want my, especially my older artists to be, to be and feel safe. Um, and I was kind of, uh, I, turned to the land of social media and the Facebook and asked if like, do people still want to put the show on? It's like, it'll all be digital. And then I think even when I was questioning people, our tribe, uh, the Guadalupe tribe was going through its rolls of uh, flash lockdowns um, and stuff. And it was just like a extended roller coaster ride of like, what's what's the crisis today um, type of attitude. And it's just like, do I, do I even go through with this show? This is so much uh, unwanted stress of just like waking up and getting out of bed and not being overwhelmed by society. And then like pushing myself to do this art show. And it's just, it's a, it was a lot of self pep talk moments um, and then luckily I was getting a lot of calls and texts from artists asking, is, is the show still on? Are you guys still doing this? And I was like, all right, oh, that, that's my sign. Okay. This is happening. We, I am doing this art show. Um, so really it was just getting that little, those little nudges from people just being curious of like, are you guys doing anything? Like, yes. If you want me to, if you have the confidence in me, to do this, I want to do this for you. And that's what happened. And I did it magically. 
there was a magic. lot of <laughs> magic <laughs> magic and sleepless nights it happened um and it's honestly been one of our best years ever and it's it's insane and it's, we got like a week left and i'm think we're gonna do one big push before it closes and i cannot be more proud and happy that it's been this successful um we sold about half of the show we don't have as much as previous years but the fact that i had 70 artists and i think it was 150 pieces this year it's a smaller number of pieces but the same number of artists um but we sold half of it we've never sold half of our art show before Hmm. um it's always been about 30 to 40 percent given the year and that was like people physically coming in and looking at stuff but uh through the land and miracle of excel spreadsheets um (laughs) we were able to do (laughs) mass uploads to um our on our gift shop site so that was really helpful and then our um just like rallying my the staff to like can you Double check this whole thing for me. Thank you. <laughs> Just for spelling errors. Thank you. Can you make sure these links work for me? That's awesome. Can you do these ads for the, the opening hype or whatever? So just not being like kind of uh, all for one uh, momentum of the staff <laughs> is, is how we are like need to operate now. It's just like, what are you doing? okay, like we have a farmer's market tomorrow and now it's like, all right, we're going to be here tomorrow helping with a farmer's market. Okay, we're all doing this. We all need to help. So there was a team dynamic that started to take play here. Uh, for big events like that, it is. It's just like you you need to like say, hey, you can't do all of this. Yourself. Like, and, and some of it is also just like interjecting. It's like you can't do all of this yourself and be sane um and get out of the office at a reasonable time so Mm -hmm. let just what do you need me to do um i may need to like bug you a bit and get like just for cohesiveness but i can help you and i want to make sure you don't pull your hair out at the end of the day because of the the um the new format of of the the art show um is it changing the way you're how you will do things in the future once if we go back to normal or is it is a change yeah is it changing the way you're looking at how you might do this in the future definitely um we we've always anticipated putting uh art show sale pieces on on the online store um and now we might do that <laughs> i mean it was it's a very task like just long time consuming process but it can it can happen and on the business money end of it it's not too terrible with Mm -hmm. internet shopping fees and stuff like that um but it's i mean we've always intended to move the art show on online somehow because we get calls all summer asking if there's a catalog available like an old school mail-in catalog it's like oh mm-hmm. no no we don't work like that <laughs> i don't know a lot of places that do work like that mm-hmm. um so that launched the red cloud uh, art show website or a little microsite that is solely dedicated to this art show 
um, just to make it an easy, easy access mainstream. Here's all the information. Um, here's all of the pic pretty pictures of all the pieces in the art show. Um, I think that was the part I fussed over the most, and I don't know if I'm happy with it <laughs> either. <laughs> like it's not, it's not, it's not as crisp as I want it to be. I don't know how, um, how else you portray an exhibit, any exhibit, um, in in a virtual space, whatever virtual means now. And I feel like it's getting overused. <laughs> um, like, how do you portray yeah. an exhibit on an online website, website, Facebook gallery, and let and still like get that connectiveness of being in an actual place and looking at this actual artwork instead of on the screen and in the ether. Well, I think that's that's the the thing is this new territory that we're in right now. Um, I think a lot of people are shying away from trying trying to move forward with some of this stuff. And of course, for those like you who are doing it, you're now facing these new set of questions and new challenges. And, you know, I think it's, I think if there's one thing about this, this COVID-19 world uh, or the scenario that we're in, it's, it's expediting um, the evolution of how we do things. And so, yeah, I think things that you, you probably would be doing anyways in 10 years is now happening, you know, this summer, you know, or the next year or so. So, and of course, in a lot of cases, um, you're sort of at the cutting edge of how do you do certain things, right? Because uh, I imagine it's it's hard to find resources or references uh, to, to fall back on. Yeah, definitely. Like we are all slowly turning into like our own personal YouTube crews and editing crews individually. And I was just like, man, I'm not a YouTube personality at all. Mm -hmm. um, it's like, like just sitting in front of your laptop and recording your, your intro for a 30 minute film that you have to put together for orientation, staff orientation or something. And it's like, yeah, I'm just constant dragging our feet. Like, we need to get done, <laughs> but nobody like, like it's such an awkward feeling. And it's like, man, we got to push through and we got to get over it. And it's just going to happen. It's going to be awkward and you just have to accept it and roll with it. Um, and, yeah. and, and pretty soon you'll be comfortable doing it, you know, and you'll be that example for someone else. That's, that's behind you. That's, that's still early, early in their, their schooling and whatnot. That being the case, uh, what would you say to the the eighteen year old, the 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 young person uh, looking at a career in 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 the art field, whether it's being an artist or a curator? Um, yeah, what what would you like to say to them? My eighteen year old self. Yeah. Honestly, I would like to ask my eighteen year old self for advice. <laughs> like she would so determined and so gung-ho to just like find her way and it's, and I'm also was probably just so I turned to the great 30 I'm now 30 years old um congratulations and, uh, no I'm not <laughs> sure like like I don't need to fuss over a number it's just a number um right. so I've been like falling back on a lot of, a lot of that like soul searching of like what 
where do I go from here? Um, and I, and like thinking back, like, well, high school, what was it? College, what was it? Although I don't, college was kind of just a blur, actually. Now that I reflect on it. Um, but I would just went, cause I was like, there's just so much uncertainty. And it's just like having the attitude to just keep, keep on going, keep on rolling, take care of yourself first, eat. I'm still like a terrible child and need to be like be reminded to eat something before I get too crabby. <laughs> <laughs> and I need that support system again. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it's like we, it's like we got this kid. We can do this. We can do anything. We put our minds to and our heart to. No, that's great. Um, so where, where can people find you? Where, where can they find, well, where can they find the, um, the, the online art show? The online art show is on the www.redcloudart.show. And, and that, if, uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was again, and that is, the little microsite dedicated to the art show. And then within that, there are links to the, the gift shop. Um, I put a very big, obvious button in the front. As soon as you open it, that will open to the um, online, to the, the viewing <laughs> part of it. Um, yeah, I'm also a like mediocre web designer now too <laughs> I, never, <laughs> I never thought i'd ever do just a web designer uh graphics poster designer postcards ads it's just like man i will never make fun of a graphic designer again <laughs> like if like i should not have made a fun of them in college they were like oh. It's, it's tough work. All of it's tough work. I mean, you're, you're doing so much right now, uh, taking on all these responsibilities, um, that again, I think, uh, it's just reflective of the world that we're in. So, you yeah. know, Ashley, thank you so much for this. This is wonderful. Uh, it was great to hear from you. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for the, the human contact for today. <laughs> And that does it for this episode of Five Plain Questions. I want to thank Ashley again for her time and sharing her story with us. It's it's it was refreshing speaking with her and, and learning a few things about her. Um, you know, someone myself who grew up uh, half Native American, half white on on the reservation in a community that was uh, mixed. Um, there were non-natives living uh, in town in the country, a lot of farmers. And of course, you know, a lot of um, our reservation members um, living, you know, in old agency and in Sisseton. And I, I just, it just reflects uh, the, the complications of being half native, half white, growing up in both communities. And so it's, it's refreshing hearing uh, someone else with a very similar story, um, trying to figure out who you are, trying to find acceptance whether um, you're white or you're Native American, um, it's, it's hard. It, it's really hard. It's good to hear someone who is resilient and is doing everything they can to make their community the best possible version of it as they can make it. 
and that's something that really resonates with with myself as well so it's encouraging it's encouraging to to connect with someone who's who's doing some really good work and is a model for uh for myself and i think for a lot of our listeners um to to achieve to aspire to be so ashley thank you uh for this this was really great so yeah um, you know, and I want to thank you, uh, the, the listener, uh, for joining us and spending your time listening to what I feel is a very important story and perspective from our community. And I just ask that next time, um, join us again, and we'll speak with another incredible person. I'm Joe Williams, your host for, for this conversation. You can find me on Canna, that's C-A-N-A-A, Creativity Among Native American Artists, on Facebook or at the plainsart.org website. There you can see our programming, our past videos, and these podcasts. Uh, right now, uh, She Gives by Deani Whitehawk is still up at the Plains Art Museum in Fargo, so please come in, check it out. Uh, we also have um, our exhibition on the first floor with, from Racing Magpie, uh, so please come in, see that. That show goes down at the end of this month, um, and She Gives goes through, uh, I think, the end of September. Yep, uh, October 3rd we close. So there's still time to come check those out. Please do. And if you're there, ask for me, Joe Williams, and I'll come and I'll give you a little tour. So that, that'd be a lot of fun. So anyways, this podcast, you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, a uh, number of different pod, uh, podcast platforms. So yeah. And if you have a suggestion for someone for me to interview, please let me know on the Facebook page and message me. I'd really like to hear from you. So you take care. Be safe, and we will see you next week.